Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our study through the book of Philippians. I've really been enjoying this study and I hope you have too. And I just want to remind you that Shouts of Grace, the purpose of it is to connect you to the Word of God so that you can accomplish what God has called you to do. The good works that God has given to you, that you should walk in them. And of course, the only way that you're going to finish out the works that God has given you is the same way that Zerubbabel was able to finish out the works that God had given him, and that was through a shout of grace. And so every single one of us needs to have a shout out of grace in our life. But today we're going to be looking at one of those really common uh, verses, one of those really common verses. Now, unfortunately, it's so common that it's often taken out of context and misused, and that's Philippians 4.13. But we're going to put it inside of its context, looking to see the power of Philippians 4.13, see also perhaps what it doesn't mean. But we're also going to be going and seeing how we can apply this incredible truth to our life. So let's go ahead and let's read Philippians chapter 4 here this morning. And it says this, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Iodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of, or excuse me, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound and am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We see here this verse that, that many people use and quote and sometimes quote it out of context and they misuse it, and that's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Uh, you know, sometimes people go and they they use this in, in many different ways. I remember it was popular when I was in high school for basketball players to go and to uh, write that on their their tennis shoe, right? If you're a Christian basketball player, th- this was in the, uh, the height of Tim Tebow. And uh, Tim Tebow, of course, made it popular to go and to put John 316 on your 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 eye black. And, you know, he got in trouble for doing that and all kinds of stuff. But uh, but but it was it was kind of the cool, popular thing to write a verse uh, somewhere um, on your uniform. And one of the places would be, of course, on your uh, on your shoes. That was a, the, the way that you could kind of get away with it in basketball. And a lot of people would go and put Philippians 413. Now, I put Philippians 121 for to me to live as Christ, but to die as gain. But but they put a lot of times people would go and put Philippians 413. And I mean, the thought was, you know, uh, I could go and, and jump and dunk a basketball or I could go and cross somebody over or make a good jump shot because I've got Philippians 4.13 on my shoe. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as, as silly as that sounds, because that's not at all what this verse is talking about, that's how many uh, people use it. Even adults use it today. Not just you know high school students playing basketball, but many adults use it today. Is is they they go and they they cite this verse and they claim this verse and they think they're claiming a promise of God uh, when they're they're going to try to accomplish something and they go and they say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and they think wow I just claim the promise of God. But in order to understand this promise of God, we have to understand the context here. The context is key because this isn't talking about being able to jump over a building. This isn't talking about uh, being able to run faster than a speeding bullet uh, or to be more powerful than a locomotive. If you uh, catch what I'm saying here, you know, this doesn't make you Superman, this verse, and claiming it. It's, it's within a specific context and what it's talking about. We have to understand what is Paul talking about, because that helps us to understand what the promise is and then to be able to apply the promise. So let's go ahead and let's read that verses 10 through 13 again, because it's important to understand that context. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity, not uh, that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The context of this is that the Philippian church finally had an opportunity to give once again to the Apostle Paul's ministry, to sow into that ministry, to go into invest in that ministry, to make an eternal investment. We're going to look more at some of those principles tomorrow as we, we, we really go and see that that's developed in these next few verses, but you need to understand the context here. And the, the, the key to what the Apostle Paul is saying is that he goes and he says, Not that I speak in regard to need, but I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. This is really what the Apostle Paul is talking about, and that is contentment. This is really what Philippians 4.13 is connected to, is this concept of contentment. And contentment is one of the most important parts of Christianity, of the Christian life. 
It's it's one of those that goes right next to surrender. If you can get surrender and contentment right, I, I can tell you that in your Christian life, you are going to accomplish great things for God. You are going to live a godly life if you can get contentment and surrender to God. If you get those two lessons learned, it's like the rest of it is just going to follow right along, because these are just two important, important lessons. And we see this concept here of contentment being so key for the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul goes and he says, look, whatever state I'm in, I know how to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. The Apostle Paul is going and saying, look, there have been times where where I have had more than enough and there have been times when I've had more than enough of difficulties in my life. And of course, we think of the Apostle Paul. He, he, he was stoned. He was shipwrecked twice. He, he, he was beaten. He was imprisoned. He had all of these terrible things that happened to him. And yet, what do we find about the Apostle Paul? Well, we find specifically, you know, in the Philippian jail, in the, the, the jail in Philippi, I should say, is that the Apostle Paul was content in the midst of a prison cell as he was singing and making praises unto the Lord. That's what he was doing. Isn't that incredible to stop and to think about? Just praising the Lord. He's saying, I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be content. I know how to be abased, be put in a prison cell, have nothing, and yet still be content. I know how to abound. Both physical means, spiritual means, circumstantial means, he knows how to abound. And this is important to understand, because if if Satan can't destroy you with putting pressure and taking blessings away, there's another way he can destroy you, and that's through success. You know, there are many people who, because they have had success, whether this is spiritual success, physical success, financial success, uh, circumstantial success, whatever it is, because they have, they have abounded at some point in time, they stop and they rest on their laurels. They rest on their laurels in that, in that circumstance. And what it ends up doing is that the taste of success ends up becoming a poison to them because they rest upon their success uh, or they get big-headed and they get start thinking, hey, it's all about me. I'm the reason why I have success. And that's, that's not true as a Christian, that's for sure. That's for sure. It's got to be the blessing of God. And we stop and we realize here that you need to both learn how to be content in your abased when you have a lack of something, but then you also need to learn contentment when you abound. Because then the reality of it is what you're saying is, is that my contentment is not dependent, my joy is not dependent upon my circumstances, but it is tied directly to my relationship with God because I'm not looking at what's going on around me. I am looking to Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus. And the Apostle Paul is going and saying, look, I've learned how to be abased, and I've learned how to abound, but I'm content in all things. And he says, everywhere in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He's learned that in whatever circumstance he's in, he's going to do what? 
be content. And then he calls upon this great promise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, within the direct context of Philippians chapter 4, what this is talking about is that I can bear all circumstances. I can bear all circumstances, whether it's a circumstance of abundance or a circumstance of lack. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate my spiritual walk. I'm not going to let my circumstances, my season in life, dictate my moral character. I'm not going to let my circumstances, my season in life, decide whether or not I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to pursue him no matter what. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that a little bit different than the, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can jump over a tall building. I can run faster than a speeding bullet. I can be more powerful than a locomotive. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a verse out of context. That's what's going on here. Because this verse is talking about bearing It's not going and talking about our ability. Now, this doesn't mean God can't do great things. Of course, God can do great things. Of course, He can supply all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. We we know all this. I'm I'm not trying to go against what God's ability is. I, I hope that you understand that. What I'm trying to say is that this is conveying a different truth. This is conveying a truth of going and saying, look, I can bear all things. I can go through any circumstance in life, and that includes success and difficulty, and I can walk through it pleasing God, glorifying God, and with my moral upright character, because I can I have learned how to both be abased and how to abound. You know, so many people struggle with this concept of success. They struggle with the concept. Some people are better off not now understand. Not because God wants them to be this way, but some people are better off being abased because they figured that out when they don't have much, as opposed to when they do have much, when they are abounding. You know, j- just to illustrate this, there's there was a man who came to his pastor one day, uh, and and this man was was very poor, and he was only making fifty dollars a week. That's all he was making was just $50 a week. You know, he, he didn't have enough to really get by. And uh, he came came forward after the message, and, and he committed to going into tithing unto the Lord, uh, to going in tithing unto the Lord. And so he started giving, you know, five bucks, five bucks every week, every week. Well, pretty soon he started making 100 bucks a week. Well, so he kept tithing. That's 10 bucks now. Then he started making $1,000 a week. Whoa, there's 100 dollars a week now that he's tithing, you know, and, and and so on and so forth. And it grew so much that, that all of a sudden the man was making $10,000 a week. And he came to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I just, I, I can't tithe. I can't tithe anymore. I can't afford to tithe. It's too much. It's too much. And the pastor said, well, the only thing I know to do is to pray that you go back down to $50 a week 
because you knew how to tithe then, you could afford it then. See, the man knew how to be abased, but he didn't know how to abound. And that's what I mean by some people would be better off being abased. Now, they'd be much better off if they would just learn how to abound. How to abound. How to live inside of God's will while you're abounding. And what does it take? The same things that it takes when you're when you're being abased. It takes contentment and it takes submission to God. Those are really the two. I mean, there's a lot of other things we could talk about, but those are the two things. If you're going to say, look, Lord, I'm going to submit to your commands and I'm going to be content with wherever I am. It doesn't matter if you're abased or if you're abound or abounding. Because you are going to have the same consistent principles. And that's what God calls you to do. He wants you to abound. I came to give you life and life more abundantly, aboundingly, right? Abundantly. That's what it's talking about. Abounding. But this means you need to learn to be content so that you can truly do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome.